connecting with people here, but... Like if I'm artist, way you. Oh, artist, go ahead. Am I doing it? Is this my artist date? Well, I mean, no, this is an artist date. This is work. <laughs> this, is, this is work. But something that I realized this go-around, I just finished it, opening my eyes to seeing everything that I do as an act of creation and creativity. Hmm. So even producing, that's creating, you know, like that's your art. I actually started to think that my art is connecting with people. I think that I'm going to try to start seeing my art as that and not dance and not making a show, but like something that's a little bit bigger picture. Sounds fun. Welcome back to the Thank You Places podcast. I'm your host, Emily Faith, and today we are speaking with Avery J. Andrews. Avery J. is a self-proclaimed artist at heart and a friend, but I also know her to be an incredible producer, a cheerleader and advocate for the arts, and a wonderful dancer. She has a couple of things coming up that you can catch at the end of this episode. Today's episode starts a little bit clunky, you might notice, or a little bit differently than the others if you've been following along because we started setting up the studio and talking and I had just pressed record and so there's not a really good entry point or welcome into the episode. We dive right in and when the episode begins, we are talking about intimacy directing and safety and um, spatial awareness and all the things that dancers have maybe a different perspective on than theater artists. Um, And we also talk about where it crosses over. We talk about how to start a nonprofit and why to start one. We talk about being an artist in your 30s and why we love doing the artist's way. We talk about anger and how our training was kind of a limiting box for us as artists. We talk about how the system is not set up to support an artist's livelihood, particularly the nonprofit system. And truly, I had so many clips to pull uh, to put at the top of the episode, like the one that you heard, uh, and, and I didn't know which one to choose. She is an incredible well of wisdom and encouragement, and I'm just so excited for you to listen to our conversation. So please, please enjoy Avery J. But don't you think it's a little infantilizing? What do you mean by that? It's a like, fancy word. <laughs> infantil, like not trust, like treating people like children, like not trusting them mm. to take care of. Hmm. I haven't thought about it that way about like I'm not trusting because I feel like I see it from the performer side as a dancer needing to like be aware of space and to take care and accountability. That's the thing. When you're training as a dancer, you learn to like have accountability and awareness of the other people so you can stay in the same formation as you're dancing. But I think that opens up as you get older to other things like what's on the floor, like where are the curtains? Because you have to be able to move and do your moves to the fullest extent and be aware of lighting, people, floor, props. And so it's just like figure it out. And I love that discipline. I think I take a lot of pride in that actually. So then to come into, because it it translates to like everyday life, you know, about being aware of how the impact you have on other people. So I think going into that environment and it's just, and I get it. Like there, someone was talking about there, the zones that were okay to touch. Mm. And I I think that's a really nice way to put consent in front of the conversation. And at the same time, I feel like I have some feelings about that that I haven't worked through yet. As a performer and as a performer that uses my body, I guess I shouldn't, whatever. It just feels like a lot of 
rules in a theater space. And I guess it's that line of like what's helpful and what's um, impeding the process. Boom. The discipline aspect has gotten me, that made me raise my eyebrow because I started in dance like a lot of people do. I think your parent or my parents put me into dance at two years old. Mm. And there is a discipline, there's an awareness, and there is an understanding that we are going to touch each other's bodies, not necessarily each other's private parts, but sometimes when you're doing lifts, like you're in places, but it is so, it is choreographed and there's a way to do it. I was anyway pretty comfortable and there's like a shorthand about everything that you do. So there doesn't have to be a conversation every time. But I think theater, it's been the Wild West for Mm. so long that they're having to go like, oh shit, people were like getting abused or like sexually assaulted or one of my good friends is an intimacy director and she was on the podcast and she really changed my mind because I was like, everybody can be a grown up and take care of themselves. And it's a big she, assumption. It's a but you know, it's a massive assumption. This conversation, though, is making me think about the people who are creating the environments. Right. So being the director or the producer that's coming into the room who, who you've hired, the content of the show or the work that you're working on. Uh, the relationship between the people, you know, like every part of the process plays a role in someone's safety or their perceived idea of safety of their body, their artistry, their craft coming into the space. You know, I think it's even, you know, it's a more big picture thing about like, what what are we asking people to do in this space with one another? And that's the part that I think gets a little reckless. Yes. On Susanna's episode I talked about dance companies typically I mean correct me if I'm wrong but my Mm -hmm. understanding is that you are working with the same people for at least a season theater switches out every Mm. single time so it's like this reestablished we have to go through this every time because we are working with a new group of people Mm -hmm. every time but I think yeah it's like well I'm I'm not the bad guy (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know dances yeah dance is different you know, because I was thinking about where have, like, abuse, how has abuse showed up in the dance world? Sexual abuse. Um, and I feel like it's my understanding of where it shows up more is about the power dynamic. And it's not so much, grand, again, I don't know everyone's experience, um, but I feel like it is less likely to be in the studio and, like, in the process and in the the performance of it and more so outside when it comes to power dynamic and roles. And then there's a huge difference too between um, modern, postmodern, contemporary work and ballet. The ballet world I know nothing about. It's a whole nother pot of stew. I'm going to let them figure out. Let them figure it out. I watch Black Swan. That's that's the only knowledge I have of the professional ballet world. It's really sad. And I think I think those things are actually like not too far from the truth. As a leader, you're a leader. I'm a leader. You mm-hmm. are. Every Jay's eyes just got big, but it's true. You're a leader. I have had when I was directing shows, I had mixed feelings about hanging out with the cast after the show or hanging out with the cast after rehearsal and getting drinks because there is there is a power thing that I sometimes feel like I don't feel as like a youngish woman I'm like I'm not the problem but I was trying to I kind of felt that out where I was like I need to give them their as much as I want to be there I need to give them their space to talk about rehearsal to talk about their process without the person who's telling them what to do in that space with them I feel the same 
but I think in a different context. When I make work, I feel like I'm usually making with people that are my friends as of lately. So that doesn't feel as much of a consideration. Like, yeah, we're going to go out afterwards, grab food, whatever. Like the dynamic has already been happening. Yeah. (laughs) So then it just continues. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm curious about that. dynamic. I haven't really thought deeply about that dynamic and how we interplay, but that's the beauty of like longtime collaborators. Really appreciate that. However, I do feel this dynamic as leading arts mission and being the one to give rules, policies, and then having um, exchange members, essentially our staff, having that relationship. Or even in um, workshops that Agora has led, Agora Artists. Yeah, there is that element of wanting to like hang out and bond and to like get to know one another. Um, but I've actually started to feel it more so because I feel like I'm old. And not that I'm old in a bad way, but like I'm starting to feel my age. Because mm-hmm. I hear people around me talking, my peers or people we're working with, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I remember being there. But it's definitely like I am not there anymore. And then the mother in me like wants to give all this advice. And I'm like, girl, bye, be quiet. <laughs> They're not going to listen to you anyway. No, Maybe you know. One. And so I'm like, you know, I'm a resource. I'll give you my perspective or opinion. Um, yeah, I think I think you do have to give them their space to go through it. And I think that's what got us all in this pickle in the first place was people not recognizing, like, you need to give people their space and you kind of can't be friends or more than friends because it becomes complicated. And I know when I was younger and I would get invited to birthday parties of directors or producers, mm. it... I felt an added need to show up and show my face there to be like, look, they invited me Mm. to their birthday. It wasn't about the connection or the friendship. There was another piece of um, who's who and who's going to see me there that felt Mm. really important or who's going to see me in the pictures afterwards. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, yeah, there are some boundaries. I think the places I see my peers or people that I'm working with or leading and workshops and rehearsal processes, I see them at other spaces where I'm not leading. And I think that that has been the way that I've built relationships with them. You have started a nonprofit Mm -hmm. and you currently operate a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Another one. Another one. one. Yes. Let's be clear. It's a whole different one. (laughs) What has been the hardships of working in a nonprofit and mm. what are things that you would tell people who are interested in starting a nonprofit? Would oh, you tell them? Is this why? Yes. Yes. I would tell them. Um, I thought to be like, is this why you set me down here? Yeah. Tell uh, me everything. Bro. <laughs> well, we started one and it was, I mean, the paperwork is kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's just a starting point. I, I think the reason I say it like that is because I had no idea what I was signing up for. I heard someone say early on in my journey, um, like, yeah, do all the stuff in your 20s because when you're 30, you're not going to want to – you're going to be like, oh, I know too much. I'm not going to do that. And I felt some type of way about it. But hello, 30s this summer, and I'm like, word. Yes. It's something about the – it's the the not knowing is helpful. And I love the not knowing. I do love it. It's kind of fun. <laughs> you just blew my mind, though, because I've been like, what is my problem? Why don't I – why don't I feel motivated to do anything? Why do I – not have the same ideas or the energy output that I used to, but maybe now I'm in a phase of like reaping 
what was planted. Like the planting took a lot of energy and setting yes. it all up took a lot of energy. Yes. But now I get to see like things have grown. Now what are you going to do with it? Yes. And that's a beautiful spot to be in. You should cherish that moment. Thanks. And take time with it. I, totally. I'm doing it right now in this moment. You are. But just this one moment. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay. Nonprofit things. Yeah. <sighs> um, it is... Okay, the challenge with nonprofit and arts, I believe, is just that the nonprofit structure was not created to support artists, people, period. And that includes like the process of making a work. It the way that it is currently being used by arts organizations is all about the end product. And the audience. And the audience whoever's consuming. And um, checking boxes. So is it the queer people? Is it the black people? Is it the, you know, what other minority group do we want to uplift the underrepresented voices? And I say that with the tone. If you don't know me, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> because it just feels like a gimmick. And as a black woman, um, I'm tired of it. Like, I just, I don't feel invited to those spaces with those people. And... I want you to stop pandering to me and acting like you actually give a damn when you don't. And it's okay that you don't. It's America. It is what it fucking is. Am I allowed to swear? You are. Grant. Um, It is what it is, but, like, don't play that game to get more money. Let someone take – let someone apply with the actual intent to uplift, empower, hold space for – the voices that America has historically stifled. Why do you think people are missing the mark with that? I mean, it's hard, right? Like, you're doing this nonprofit thing. You get in the grind. You're trying to make it survive. Like, I understand that part. You're looking for funding. You're looking for opportunities. The leader has a good heart and good intent. I understand that. And this is the way that everyone else is doing it. And this is the way that they've gotten money. And so I'm going to do it. That's what we ran into with Lillian Joan looking at grants. I, I was like, well, I have an education background, so we can write about how this we're going to go into the schools and we're going to do an after school program and all of that stuff that actually is not truly in line with our mission. It's like shoving your mission into different yeah. boxes so that you can get. You're the trying funding. to fit. You're trying to fit in all the things. And I think as a young, I actually don't really think it matters what age you are, but I think as a young person who has big dreams, big ideas, and is has enough energy and initiative to start the thing, it's really challenging to hold true to that. Because, too, like when you're starting any kind of business, I am now at the point where it's like last three to five years, and then let's see what's happening. Because no matter what you say, anyone, I feel very confident that where you start with a business idea is not act- the actual heart of what you're trying to do. That was 100% my experience. And I feel like most people's experience, like, you know, that kernel that got you going is like miles away from the heart of it. And the heart of it is the stuff that takes a lot of work, like self-work. Yes. You know, and I wish, I just wish that that part was more encouraged, you know, like figure out what you're trying to do. That's what Arts Mission Oak Cliff, I'm like, yes, let me be a part of building this space because I want people to come here and to figure out what it is that's piquing their interest. And does that start with producing a work? Does that start by teaching classes? Do you just need some friends? 
<laughs> Do you just need some friends? You just need some friends. And then where does that take you next? Because all that stuff is the unpredictable stuff, the synchronous moments that inform your journey so much. But like the only way to get started and to like walk through those doors is to start with that kernel that's itching at you, you know? This brings me to my next question. You are a huge advocate for the artist way. and Sobbing. Sobbing. I've done it once and once and a half mm-hmm. um, because I found in the halfway mark, I got so excited about my idea and what I was doing that I just was like, damn it, I'm going to spend the time focusing on that. Amen. Why do you love the artist way? Oh, man, such a good question. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if I can answer it. Close my eyes. I love the artist's way because it gave me so much language for things that I didn't have language for. Mm. (laughs) And I say that as like a person who uses their body that I've gotten very comfortable with that being like my that's the way I understand the world. First and foremost is somatically. Amen for it. Amen. But that process of being able to translate it to words is really hard for me. So reading Artist Way was very helpful and working through it was very helpful. Um, I came to Artist Way, um, I started working in Exchange Club for Arts Mission and Tasha gave us all the book at the end of the year. So I was finding community, but when I landed here, I was in a rut. Hmm. I had been operating as a nonprofit for about a year. I produced a show. I went out. I did the thing that I said I was going to do and it fucking sucked. Why? Uh, The relationships that I thought I could rely on were arduous and painful. You know, (laughs) you really learn about a relationship when you ask for support. Another amen. (laughs) Oh, man. That was a painful process. People I thought that um, I thought that people saw me and that they cared. And I'm not not to say that they don't care, didn't care, but. It wasn't there enough to say, like, hey, I'm going to actually be here for you. The words just fell real flat. Mm. Um, And I had to endure a lot of hurtful realizations about relationships. So that. Then you think, the other thing I had to come up against was you think that your craft and your talent is enough. And that if you can just show the world what you've got, and no matter how good it is, you know, it's just... They're going to see it and really see the value. That's not true. (laughs) It's sad. I wish it was a little bit more true. But, you know, there are other factors at play as to why people choose to support you or not or to attend your work or not or find your work valuable or not. So I did the show, and I didn't... Operating as a nonprofit, in air quotes, and it was not satisfying the urge that brought me back to Dallas to fill out the paperwork, to like learn about a board, to write bylaws. I mean, anyone can do that kind of work. I mean, it's annoying, but anyone can do it. It's the putting it into action and then making all those pieces fit to fit the mission. And then people are telling you that that's not your mission. But you're like, but it is my mission, which, you know, both have truth. (laughs) It's that thing, you know, and it's just it's too much. It's too much all at once, honestly. So that's how I found Arts Mission, because I felt really alone and isolated. I was living in the suburbs with my parents. uh, And that sucked. It did not feel satisfying. 
I didn't understand why I didn't have any friends or like where were the other creatives and like it took all of that to make one show and I didn't even enjoy the process like it was just a shit show so that's why I found Artist Way or came to Artist Way and then working through it I really appreciated the way that Tasha set up the way that Arts Mission does the book club um that it's like, just show up on Sundays for the conversation. If you read, great. If you don't, it's fine. We'll have a summary. <laughs> what were you able to get to? And let's celebrate that. What weren't you? Okay, that's fine. Do you want to do that? Do you, Or mm. do you want to just like let that go for this round? Because you can come back to it. Um, but I think it's the, the community element of seeing other people go through it. The book, showing up every day, showing up for their art, showing up for themselves. And it really leads you down a path of loving yourself oh god the cheese but it's so true like getting to the core and of who who you are and what you want and why you're there and all that shit that we're all searching for a purpose it was just my way you know and i think it it was really helpful so i'm going to share it with anyone and everyone (laughs) um but like you know if someone doesn't jive with artist way that's fine i mean there is the element of fully confronting your relationship with god (laughs) right period that i think is people are off put off put by totally totally but she talks about she is in julia cameron whom you can rant rave and love but you know art comes through people all sorts of peoples and bodies and shapes and sizes we don't have to glorify her i am a big fan (laughs) that being said i'm a huge fan um but she puts it in context of you know the act of creation is god like creativity is god And so connecting that to your act of creating and everything around you being and having spirit and God in it. I'm like, let's go. And finding that within yourself. Aye, aye, aye. Because then the external motivators of people pleasing or asking, you know, like, is this how my mission statement is supposed to be? Or whatever feedback that you get from them, in my experience, doing the artist way and it has exercises in there that help support that but those noises just really go away and become a lot less important Mm. and for those of you who haven't done it there are morning pages which i love some people hate them three pages a morning you get up and you write and it can be anything you just have to write and that was so it was such i'm not a journaler and so it was a really great time for me to check in with myself and with my words and where i was without thinking about anybody else or pleasing anybody else you have to be honest with your it's hard not to be honest with yourself when you do the artist way yeah and that's what i like most about it and that's the thing that i think that people i've seen people run up against it they start to see themselves and it's like holy um got uh, i don't like uh, that and they find all sorts of reasons to get out and like word that's hard and it's really cool to see that there is a tool to engage with that can help you get there um there's so, just so many like usable things in there too like one of my favorites is seeing your anger anger as fuel mm. Woo! i that it, that gave me language like i feel a lot of anger <laughs> I was about to ask, what makes you angry, Avery J? Oh, man. There there are certain things that make me very angry. Can I list one right now? Yeah. Um, what is something that makes me angry? People saying they're standing up for um, underrepresented voices and actually not. Yeah. <laughs> Drives me nuts in a very serious way. Um, I think 
people who have an opportunity or a position of power to have real impact and waste it. And waste it by my means. Yes. Mm. But when I see stuff just being someone not seizing the opportunity that they have, the, the, the privilege that they have, we all have certain privileges. It drives me nuts. And, and, and more so to like the ones who see it. They see it in themselves and they choose not to act on it. Because I'm like, you're not playing your part in this community. And like all you have to do is face that one fear in your life. I get that that's scary, but also, like, figure it out. Engage with it. That's where I get a little harsh. (laughs) I love it. Drama therapy has this saying, uh, play with the unplayable. Hmm. And everything is playable. Nothing is not playable. And it's very confronting and very scary. And I feel a little, I noticed in myself when you were saying that, feeling a little like, I'm scared to play my part, and I know it. I'm one of those people mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Am I pissing you off right now? No. Because, too, I feel like when you're, real, when you're able to say it and talk about it, um, I think people can love on you a little easier. Or maybe you're able to receive love. I don't know. But that's the other part for me is that, like, if you're willing to engage with your shit, <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm, like, ride or die. Mm-hmm. This is true. It's very true. It's exhausting. And I love it. <laughs> because I really do want to see people reach their potential. Like, I really, I, I really, I'm an inherent value kind of person. Um, the journey to, like, getting there and to figuring out what that looks like. Word. It's a journey for everyone. But, like, if you have an inkling of an idea, I'll hold your hand. Let's do it together. I appreciate that you have been saying, like, I will hold your hand. I'll be there for you. And you don't say it with a caveat. Like, I really believe you when you're saying that is Mm -hmm. just do it because there is a part for you there. And we can talk about why good production and quality and, like, hard work are important, Mm -hmm. which you and I have talked about before and I'd love to talk about here. But also, like, I'm I'm not hearing you say do this but only if it's good and do this but only if it serves this one purpose it's like just get it out of you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was there ever a time where you felt like you couldn't get things out of you yeah I think also I was just thinking about is that feels very related to my own journey I'm not even entirely sure to be honest but honestly I think it has to do more so about my existence in a black female body Mm -hmm. in the world this is the stuff that I've been unpacking past couple years yeah, this little action here. Like we're unpacking, we're unpacking, <laughs> sorting through. I think it's more about that. I've realized that I have, I don't feel safe in the world. And so a lot of the things that I do are out of um, safety. Like, wh- how do I feel safe? Um, and that's turned into, like, I'm an adaptable human being in environments, different social environments, which is a skill, but it's also a defense mechanism. So, like, that's been cool to learn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Very helpful. Um, I think also I've always had to, I don't want to use the word fight, but we'll do it for now. Like, fight for myself to be seen or heard in spaces, Um, art and otherwise. I feel like I've never, I'm never the person, I don't feel like this to get the benefit of the doubt and just to get hired or given an opportunity because my application is good Hmm. or because whatever they tell you is like the standard procedure for being able to like 
enter this space. I, I, I've just, I've never seen success that way. And I had someone say to me one time after doing a program, so I'd been working under her for five months and we were leaving and it was a beautiful experience. And she said to me as I was leaving, don't give up. <laughs> like it's going to be hard and, you know, but don't give up. And I remember being like, that's strange because I don't feel like you would know me as the kind of person to give up. But as I started putting the pieces together and living some life and I continued to hear that and it keeps coming up in journaling and stuff, which is funny. I think it's more about like not giving up on myself and what I'm interested in because I was a little bit of a a fighter in that context. (laughs) You know, I saw some stuff was wrong and I tried to change it and I didn't think things were fair and whatever, you know, and I was at, I was at an advocate in that, um, what was it like a training workshop situation? And it was really, it's, that has always played back in my mind. And I think it's because, yeah, I don't, I don't ever assume anything's going to be given to me. It also feels very related to the lesson of my dad always being like, you know, if these, (laughs) these little white kids are going to, you know, come in and work hard, then you have to work 10 times harder than what they do. Which is like the lesson that I, I feel like feels very general to like the black experience in America um, and what parents tell their kids, which I really appreciate because I, yeah, that has, per, that has remained true. It's remained true. Is that exhausting? Oh yeah, entirely. But, you know, this is part of the, the inherent value and in, in the, in the importance of going through your own journey. Does that, those are tools that I have. Like that is what those things that I've been grappling with and, you know, learning how to hold on to, um, to navigate, to access and to use are things that I can use now. And I can let go of like the pain that came along with it. But now I know how to do those things. I know what it means to work hard. I know what it means to rely on myself. Like those are things I take pride in now. How I got, how I got there, you know, we all got shit. We all got shit. We all got shit. But you're not closed off. There's not this like hard exterior that I experienced from you Mm. that I think could have easily developed as well. How are you able to be so open? Mm. That's a good question. You know, I think at a point in time I was closed off, like college years. But I think there's something about love is very important to me. (laughs) And I think that like that idea of unconditional love. I love it. I think it's really beautiful and powerful. Um, The reason I'm pausing is there's a, like, I grew up in a Christian household. So I grew up going to church on Sundays, you know, using the Bible as your centering. I've had distance from Christianity and uh, the religious aspect. But that is something that has stuck with me. You know, actually, in, in general, Jesus, the example of Jesus is like, I think just so phenomenal. It baffles me and blows my mind, like in the most beautiful way. But I've also like gone through the process of separating what man has said about this, this religion and Christianity. That if I feel like if I can just like take a step back and and use the Jesus example, like that's really fucking cool. I think the way that a human can love other people. And there's a risk in that. There's totally a risk, but I think I've always found the reward. Damn. Do you know? You know what I mean? Say it again. (laughs) 
You said there is risk in loving people. And you said it. you've always... I've always found a reward. You know, I think there's another part of my story. Why are you, t- why are you getting me to tell all my business? I haven't asked a question in a long time. You're so annoying. Um, I think there's another important part of my story that I don't share often. When I was 18, my best friend at the time was diagnosed with leukemia. And so my senior year, the last semester of my senior year, I was at the hospital a lot. And going through that journey, and there are all sorts of layers to that. But there is something about that experience that I haven't quite been able to, I don't fully understand, but it has impacted my entire life. I think it's just taught me so much about people and wanting to connect with people and relationships. Because before she got sick and was diagnosed, we were in a fight. It was like we were having growing pains. And the moment I found out she was sick, it just all went away. And then I was very present in her life and her family, which I already was close with, but like, you know, the cousins and the uncles and the aunts. And, you know, I would say I was family when I went to the hospital. Like, I didn't care. And I was just showing up whenever I could. Um, And then I was with her when she passed away, literally watched. And, um, yeah, I don't, there, you know, I don't know. There's something about that experience that feels very related (laughs) to every step of my life. And I think there's something about loving people there, too. I think losing someone whom I was so close with um, just taught me the the value of that, right? And then to have it gone, what does it mean to, like, be for someone? Like, I remember for a long time I would define friends, like, would this person be at the hospital with me? And that was my barometer for if that person was my friend or not. That's a high bar. It's a really high bar. So, you know, we were closed off for some period of time. Sure. But then also, like, how do I want to show up in a relationship? You know? Like, that fight just wasn't worth it. (laughs) Wasn't worth it. I work in a children's hospital, Mm -hmm. and death is around. And I have noticed a change in myself, similarly, in in connection and what's important and especially when everything has been going on in our world it can feel very the the world can feel very heavy and then the hospital can feel very heavy but I have a friend who talks about like what is your circle of influence and what can you do you cannot globally change things most likely and even like statewide, we live in a giant state. You're probably not going to change things. Mm-hmm. And even in Dallas, you may not change things. But like what truly is your circle of influence? Yeah. yeah. And what does it look like? So when I'm in the mm-hmm. hospital, it's like this moment is so important. And we may not know why, but it's connection. It's authentic. It's kind. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. But it's it's so present. And I've tried to take that when things feel much too large to comprehend and I don't yet know how that plays into the creative process because I haven't created Mm -hmm. I guess this podcast is kind of a little touch into that of like connecting with people here but like if I'm artist way you oh artist go ahead am I doing it is this my artist date well I mean no this is not a state this is work (laughs) this is this is work but something that I realized this go around I just finished it opening my eyes to seeing everything that I do as an act of creation and creativity. Mm. 
So even producing, that's creating, you know, like that's your art. I actually started to think that my art is connecting with people. I think that I'm going to try to start seeing my art as that and not dance and not making a show, but like something that's a little bit bigger picture. Sounds fun. Do you think that these lessons are learned by people younger than us or that we have to be our age? Mm. Does age happen? Because it's like, oh, my God, why didn't someone sit me down and say, like, let's do the artist way when you're 18 before right, you go to right. college? And <laughs> what is your art? What I would have what I've been able to hear that you're shaking your head. No, I mean, I think it's I, I don't I mean, it's not to say that it can't happen, but it is like just time. Time is a big factor. You know, you just need time to experience some stuff. To meet other people, to be confronted, to be challenged, you know? So, I mean, sure, and... Because I'm sure someone did say some of this stuff to me when I was younger, you know? But it doesn't hit the same when your experience pool is a little smaller. And that doesn't mean young people don't have the capacity, you know? It's the, it's there. It's just... Gonna... Well, and my focus at the time was so different than it is now. It was all about me. That was developmentally appropriate. It was, I'd spent years in dance and voice and acting and you go to the audition and it's just you in mm -hmm. that room and in that space. Um, and so as I've gotten older, I don't think I care less about myself, but I just care more about the people around me. Yeah. And as young artists too, I think training to be a performer is a very limiting box. Not to say that that's not how it should be done. I don't, I don't know how it should be done. I'm not an educator. But... <laughs> Don't ask me that question. But I will say that, you know, I think there is that journey as an artist to be able to see yourself outside of just wanting to be the dancer, the singer, the actor. That I think part of that journey is very related to all the things. You're blowing my mind because I'm thinking about how being a dancer or a singer or an actor is under the category of like those are big dreams. But then I just heard you say it's actually quite limiting. It's 100 percent. It's not limited. a big dream. Mm -mm. it's a it's a really small specific yeah acute dream I, remember, I went to one of my first galas in new york and you know because of a friend's mom i was able to sit at the table and got to get dressed up and it was very fun and i remember it's just like the beginning of this nonprofit journey i looked up and i saw the dance company sitting up in the balcony like getting ready to perform later but i was like oh this, like, y'all are just a small part of this story, of this organization, of this machine. Like, I, oh, it just clicked all of a sudden. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to just be that. <laughs> no, I want to be at the table. I want to be at the table. I want to sit at the table. Let's use the quote. But, you know. I do. I'm remembering performing at a gala and... We're like best. all shoved back in this room and we have these gorgeous costumes on whatever. But yeah, it's not the most elite, luxurious place to be. It's actually... Performing at a gala is one of the strangest... So strange. It's so strange. And it's like... I. And I say that, too, because I'm, like, I'm so appreciative, too, to, like, thank you for reaching out and recognizing, you know, that we're impacted by your organization and that you like the work that we do. And... Yeah, that experience is not for us, but then you kind of set it up. It's because it's like the idea that like it is set up for to celebrate the 
the artist in the making or whatever it is that they're showing. But it's really not. You don't make people work to be celebrated. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? We're ha- we had rehearsals for this and now we're performing and that's work. Right. Yeah. And then there's like weird tech stuff and it's the tech is never. It's not right. That's the cycle I don't know how to break. And maybe that's not my circle of influence, but it's because people feel so good and fancy to be able to buy a ticket and sit at a table and see and be seen. Mm. This might be me projecting a little bit, but, you know, like, I'm sure there's it some truth feels in there. good to be able to say, oh, I can write a check for this much. But what we know is while that money is sometimes a lot of times it's really helpful, it doesn't it goes to not paying the artist's that are performing for you at that space. And that's been my issue with nonprofit is <laughs> I want to serve the artists. Mm. But you, that doesn't make sense on a grant a lot of times. Like, I'm telling you, it's not – the system is not set up to support an artist's livelihood. It's really not. Because now I'm on both sides. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is a gaggle. Because even the – most nonprofits that I've had experience with – I'll keep it there – like – the people who are running the nonprofit, usually it's a small group, like less than four, which is nuts. Nuts. I'm just going to say that. Um, who are making not a lot of money and work all the time. And it's still not enough. It's, you know, so I'm like, okay, how do I get these people paid? How do I get a salary? How do I get health insurance? Hey. And then, yeah, how do I take care of? the artists who I'm asking to come into the space. It's, uh, you know, I I don't know. It, it's hard. I think part of it, too, is this is why I like being a part of building my nonprofit Agora artists and also helping to cultivate and create the structures for Arts Mission Oak Cliff is I get the chance at the foundational level to grapple with these issues and to say our mission is... So that at least there's something to go back to to be like, oh, we're not doing that because it doesn't serve the mission. Because the money people can get down with that, you know. But it's it's really hard. Because I think that a lot of places aren't there. I think they're like their ways to have revenue aren't necessarily connected with the mission. You 100%. know, so if you can, I feel like if you can get to your strong mission statement that you feel actually like meets the mark of what you're trying to do and is digestible <laughs> lol <laughs> very hard then from there i think just everything you need to do needs to be grounded out of that and those are three really hard things to do that are like literally at the foundation of an organization i have thought about us not being nonprofit but there's some there's a piece where people tend to have People have been more generous when we say we're a nonprofit, feminine, women-run theater than if we said we're just a theater company. Mm-hmm. There's something about nonprofit that makes people go, aww, mm-hmm. here's, a, here's a check. Mm-hmm. And that sucks because it feels like, well, this might be a type of organizing our work that is not best for us. Mm-hmm. However... It is a sexier thing to have Mm -hmm. a nonprofit title than not. And I hate it. Yeah, I get it. Same. That's why I don't have a dance company. (laughs) Same. I think our our systems 
like state, federal structures are not set up to support that mentality. And I really, I think I'm also recognizing, I think part of my mission, personal mission, is about changing the way that American cultures values art and mm, values artists and art making. It's that thing. We're not thinking about livelihood and people being able to be an independent artist and being able to live off of being an independent artist. That means no coffee job. That means no coffee job. (laughs) That means no teacher job. That means doing their art however they choose to do that. That's a radical idea right now. And nobody knows what that looks like or means and doesn't value art enough to be able to do that and I think it's also just that there are a lack of opportunities to engage with art in different ways outside of just going to the museum going to the show having a subscription to the opera and see and then youth education in arts all valid but like I don't know (laughs) what about some like fest local festivals you know and I think it's yeah, it's hard. Well, and okay, so now I'm now I'm chewing on this because a lot of people will go to like if there is an art show or like an art festival with all of the booths. Mm-hmm. But it's because there's something they can buy mm-hmm. that they can take home with them. Well, this is the next thing I was thinking is like it also then it's asking it's so cyclical because then it's asking your producers to like be a little bit more innovative. Ooh, I'm hesitant to use that word. <laughs> Dallas loves to talk about innovation. Um but to be to take risk, how about that? Great. Um, and the type of event that they're doing, which I think actually is very inherent to being a creative, is like let's try this, let's try that. But there's not enough funding for it. It's too risky. There aren't spaces to take the risk. So then you have to do it at the blank location where it always is, and then you have to apply for this grant that requires you to do this. So it, it all ends up shaping the work as is, which again. AMOC. Why I love it is because I'm hoping that we can create um, structures that hold space. And the reason I say hold space is that I don't want to tell the artists that come here what to do and how to do it. Come here and do the thing. And like, yeah, you're going to have to pay a rental fee, but it hopefully will be less than the Moody. Sure. And I think... Uh, what I've run into is holding space for holding space or creating space feels scary because either like no one's done it for them before and there's always been pushback or mm-hmm. it's always been hard. So for you holding and saying all you have to do and come here and create, this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. That's pre- that can be confronting. Look, I've given this is all available to you. Mm-hmm. Now you just have to do it because I think as artists we can come up with or myself, I can come up with a million reasons not to do the thing that I yeah. want to do that's all based in fear. So that's exciting to me for Arts Mission in this space is to see the people who have been able to, like, push either through it or just, like, walk hand in hand with that fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's that community element, you know. And that's what I've been finding is the more I go to things and meet people like you, um, we we find each other. And so now we have a space. Yeah, that's really how I see it. Um, and so then it's up to us just to, like, using it (laughs) use the space use the space use the space um 
Yeah, I hope it's as simple as that. I'll go fight the fight with the city. That's fine. I know you will. <laughs> That's fine. But I also don't think, honestly, I don't think it'll be much of a fight. You know, it's one of those things like the people, right? Like give the power back to the people. If there's enough of us who are doing the damn thing and we're able to sustain, they won't be able to say no. This is the rally cry. Everybody who's listening, we're meeting up tonight at midnight. (laughs) We're going to get organized. But, you know, Loki, I'm, like, here for it. I'm so here for it. Because this is the thing about Dallas. It has so much potential. And you love people with potential. I do. They're so fun. It's so fun. Because what happens when? What happens? How exciting is that? That's the shit I live for. I think you're a teacher at heart. I might be. I think I'm just like a mother, which is you're so a mother. annoying. I'm a grandmother. <laughs> I'm an enabler. Oh, that's what no, grandmothers I are. love it. <laughs> they believe in you and they enable you. Oh, I'm working on it. Great. It's okay. I, I'll just, I'll be mom. You be can be mom. grandma. The dream. I love some accountability. <laughs> that's good. That's what mothers are for. <laughs> Avery J, have you had a failure? In your artist journey? Um, mm-hmm, probably. But, you know, are they really failures? Here we go. Failure is feedback. Um, totally. Um, have I had failures? I really don't categorize things as failures. Um, I really do see them as like, ooh, that, that hurt <laughs> or didn't turn out the way I thought. Um, but I learned a lot, and this is what I got from it. I'm trying to think if I want to give you one. Just one, though. <laughs> you know what I actually might consider as, like, a faux pas? I, in trying to find how I'm going to make money and live my life and be an artist, however that may show up, um, I teach Pilates. And I was doing that pre-pandemic. Things got funky. And then as we started re-entering or playing with what it looks like to see people again. I was like, oh, I'm going to open a Pilates studio in this spare room. And so I bought two reformers. I got the LLC. I don't know why I thought I should start another business. Crazy pants. I What? But all of that was not because that's really what I felt called to do. It was driven out of the fear of money mm-hmm. and having enough money. Which I can see very clearly right now is I have two reformers and I don't want to advertise my business and it's time to renew my insurance. And I'm like, dot, 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 don't tell my parents. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if that's so much a failure, but it just is like not being honest with myself, mm-hmm. you know, um, and there is like at least three other layers that I'm thinking about that contributed to that, to that decision, which is fine. And there's always another choice that you can make and a decision to make, but it's just that trying to have a livelihood. And like, this is my family's biggest concern is like, how are you going to have a livelihood? You know, you can, you're making it work now, but I'm not making a lot of money. I can pay my bills. Thank God. Right. And and I also have a supportive family. So, like, if the shit really hits the fan, I have some place I can go. I'm not going to be on the street. Thank you, family. 
but, but you know. Is, this is also what you were talking about earlier with, like, there are, we all have our own privileges and, like, do your part with what you have. Mm-hmm. And I see you doing that. Well, thank you. And I think it's super relatable to, like, grasp for straws a little bit or follow, like, momentary joys. And I think um, I was, like, I'm a very high-achieving person, or I was at one point. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, trying to monetize the things that I'm good at was something I got really caught up in in a while. Like, I can organize your closet. I can review your resumes. I can write your paper. I can do mm-hmm. audition coaching. I can do whatever you want because I'm good at it. Right. So I'm going to try to make money doing it. And that brought me no happiness and not a lot of money. Mm-mm. And the closer I get to honesty, mm-hmm. the more abundant my life is. Mm-hmm. And there's this level... This is also why I really appreciate the artist way of trust in there of like, I'm going to trust that I'm listening authentically to myself and that this is the path that I'm supposed to be on and that the doors will open. I do not see the way right now. And you probably won't until you try to take that step and your toes about to lay and then all of a sudden you're there. Susanna, who was on earlier, she's also the intimacy director. She always says, if you can see the path before you, it is not your own. Mm. And I've always. Uh, yeah, I really like it. It it's makes good. me scared because I think it is nice to be able to see like, OK, someone did this and they took this risk and then mm-hmm. it worked out this way. But it that's theirs. Yeah. Yeah. But that's when I'm like, my hope is that we can reframe that to be like, oh, they're finding their way, so let me find mine and not try to take that one or do the same thing, which is very much our culture right now. Yeah. But also, I I see those, the unknown is so exciting because it's like, I think dreaming is really important. Daydream, I'm such a daydreamer. Um, and if the unknown is going to surpass my dreams, which it always has, that's exciting. <laughs> okay, I'll step into the unknown because it's just what I'm dreaming about is this and that excites the poop out of me. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> Nasty. Um, so I'm like, why not take that step? My history is that taking that step into the unknown has not really ever led to something bad in the way that, and bad is probably a harsh word to use, mm. in the way that like me being super controlling and here's my six-month plan, and this is the way that it's going to look, that's the thing that goes sideways. Mm-hmm. Not trusting myself, which I don't really struggle with too much. I'm pretty I'm pretty great at trusting myself initially to, like, get things started, and mm-hmm. then I stop trusting myself after. Oh, interesting. Um, but I've never struggled with, like, trying to get going. Yeah. Like some people do. I think the hard part for me is balancing out all the voices that I hear. I think I'm really good at listening and taking that into consideration, but sometimes that'll pull me to do to do the thing in a way that is, you know, the six-month plan. Okay, if I can make this much money, and then it can do this, and then it'll be really, like, easy to manage, and I just, it's not, <laughs> it's not it. It's not it. It's not it. Avery J., what is your biggest advice for artists who feel like their careers haven't gone as they planned? No. Yes. Careers that haven't gone as they planned. Well, does anyone's career go as they plan? Amen. <laughs> you know? 
I think that's the perception that we have about other people, that their life is going as planned, their career is going as planned, and ours is not. Yeah, you know, I love asking people this question. What do you want? Because I have an inclination (laughs) that people's planned careers aren't actually what they want. How do we get messed up in that? I don't know. All the things. It's all the things. It's when a nice, like, meditation, self-time, that self-care. That's the self-care to me is, like, being able to sit alone, stand, walk, whatever, take alone time, and start to ask yourself those questions. What do I want? And I think there's two, like, in getting rid of the idea that there's an expectation to what those answers are. Hmm. You know, it could <laughs> honestly, yes, no, I so I fuck with this. <laughs> Being able to be like, you know what I want to want right now is a chocolate milkshake. I think is so important. And like, what do I want to wear? I learned <laughs> about myself that I was just like wearing clothes because they were in my closet, but I wasn't actually wearing what I wanted to wear. And so my style shifted when I started actually wearing what I wanted to wear that day. I've had a recent similar experience. Yeah, it's weird. My personal style has developed in a way that I thought like, oh, I'm not, I'm no longer, I'm dressing for myself. I'm dressing in a way that like expresses me. And maybe I didn't even think, I didn't feel like oppressed in that way Mm -hmm. overtly. Neither did I. But maybe there was something there. But I think it's like those small things, like starting to do those small things too informs the like the bigger what do I want with life things. Because you're you're practicing the listening. I have started, I think I've told you this, I have made a list on my phone of things I like and things I don't like. Mm-hmm. Because I am pretty accommodating to people and I, this is a quick little tangent, I when I became aware of how accommodating I was to other people and their emotions, I got really upset with myself. Like who am I if I've only just been a mirror or an accommodation to other people? Mm -hmm. And I sat in that and I was very sad and I couldn't figure out my way from that place. Um, But then I've just accepted it instead of it being like this shitty part of me that's sad. It just is a part of me. Mm -hmm. It's an, it it is. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. There's strength in being able to read a room. There's strength in being able 100%. to check in with people. 100%. And it can't be everything. And that's why I started making the list of things I like and things I don't like to get very clear on what those are. And the list is so dumb. It's like the little things like you're talking. It's like, I actually don't like citrus flavored um, candies. I think they're nasty. Yeah. I don't like white wine. I drink it. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and what are things that I actually do like in that little practice gave me more information about who I am than anything else that I've done, than any therapy, than anything. Because it was, it was so, it was just listening. Mm -hmm. It was just tuning in to my desires and my dreams. And so I think your question of asking people, what do you want, is a brilliant one. It's a good one. I ask myself it too. I mean, I could go on for days about this, but I'm not. (laughs) What do you want today? What do I want today? Oh, man. Today, I want I want to sit outside for 10 minutes. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that. I'm feeling a lot of pressure to, like, 
work today. I'm feeling the anxiety building. So I need to not to tell my anxiety. No. Yeah. You do not have control over this body and you're not going to make me worry about things that are already done. That's right. Or I see you. I see that you're trying to protect me from something and it's under control, baby. I want a nap is what came up. I want a nap. Mm. I want to want to edit some podcasts. Yeah. But I don't. But I want to want that. Okay. And I want to have like a a cute little evening. I don't know. Like I want to sit outside on a patio somewhere. Yeah, right? Doesn't that feel good? Feels good. I like that. Avery J, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I love you. I talked a lot. (laughs) You talked to the perfect amount. (laughs) What do you have going on upcoming that we can let our listeners know about? So many things. Um... Well, the big thing that you know about is AMOC and The Lost Boy Presents are producing Cabaret. Dun, 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 dun. That's all I can do for copyright. <laughs> the musical. Oh, right. Good job. Copyright. Yes. Right. We do have the rights. Amen. Um, so that goes up at Arts Mission August 17th. Runs for two weekends, Wednesday through Saturday. Very exciting. One of the things I have anxiety about, but, you know, one step at a time, baby. One step at a time. Um, I'm performing with, uh, or for Marley Fleischer, who just started a company, Meat Market Productions. Cheers. That's in July. Um, And I just choreographed for Jubilee Theater's production, If Pretty Hurts. Um, And that's been a really enjoyable process and I, I really appreciate being able to connect with the Fort Worth community and some actor humans this is like the first theater me stepping into a theater environment in Dallas Dallas Fort Worth DF dubs DF dubs um so that was cool and I think those are the big ones arts mission always has stuff going on check it out I will add all of that to our show notes where you can find out more information they have websites they have Instagram and they have we do. One more thing. Yeah. Agora Artist, my OG yes. baby, she <laughs> um, has a festival, mini movement fest, August 6th. So things you, coming at, this at summer. At Arts Mission? At Arts Mission. Incredible. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being on. Love you. Love you. Love you.